is a technique of information gathering uh, or, or what is sometimes called information mapping uh, that you may have seen before. And uh, a, a chart will be made, in, in this case a map, and where certain incidences of significance have taken place in, in whatever, the, whatever the topic is, maybe it's, a, maybe it's detectives trying to solve a crime or what have you, uh, in, in that case where a certain crime has taken place, a, uh, a, a pushpin or a thumbtack might be placed on a map in a location, and uh, those various locations marked will then be uh, sometimes connected with a, with a thread or a string. And sometimes in, in the process of, of gathering information in that way and then having a, a way or a means of visualizing, uh, it, it might reveal patterns uh, that would otherwise uh, not appear. We are looking at John's Gospel as we lead up to Easter Sunday and last Sunday, we talked about having life in his name. And I told you that the Gospel of John is a brilliantly written book and uh, that uh, it's, it takes a different approach from the other Gospels. And as we take these couple of Sundays to do just a high-altitude flyover, I'm going to come to the second of three sets of sevens that John gives us throughout his gospel. Uh, the first that we looked at last Sunday were seven I am statements of Jesus, where he says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheepfold, I am the good shepherd, and so on and so forth. And uh, he identifies himself with a different aspect of his character or a different aspect of our own particular need. Today we're going to look at another seven I am's. And these are different from the I am statements. These are I am declarations where Jesus simply says, I am. John 20, verse 30 and 31 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures. As we begin looking at the I Am declarations of Jesus, I mentioned already that these are different from the I Am statements. When Jesus uh, made his I Am statements, there are seven of those, he said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, so on and so forth. These are, are instances where Jesus simply said, I am. The first that we find recorded in the Gospel of John is found in chapter 4 and verse 26. Some of you will remember this story. This is where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at a well. 
Uh, his disciples have gone to try and find food, and Jesus is left alone at the well. And this woman comes to the well, coming at a time when she thinks no one else will be there, uh, but uh, she finds that Jesus is there and asks her for a drink. And you remember the conversation that they have, and Jesus tells her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You know, this is hard work. Jesus began to speak to her to address the real issues in her life and uncovers uh, who she really is and her personality. And, and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but just briefly, uh, she tries to divert uh, by asking Jesus a, a Bible question. Maybe you've experienced this if you've tried to share the gospel or talk to someone about their own spiritual condition. You know, sometimes people will, will try to divert attention away from their own needs to ask by, by asking about something that they don't understand about Scripture. It's very common that you find this happens. Well, that's what she does. She asks, uh, she says, uh, Lord, where are we supposed to worship? You know, the, you say that you worship in, in Jerusalem, the Jews say, and uh, we say that here uh, in this mountain is where we worship. What do you say? And Jesus brings it right back around and talks to her about worshiping in spirit and in truth. In verse 25 of John uh, chapter 4, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, one of the things that we need to realize is that our English versions supply us with words that were not in the original. In the original, it simply said, Jesus said to her, I am. I am. There's another instance in John chapter 6 and verse 20 where the disciples are crossing the sea and there is a storm that comes upon them and they are afraid and Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Now John abbreviates this story that is found in others of the gospel accounts and, uh, and found in some more detail. John abbreviates it here and uh, simply says, verse 19, when the disciples had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Again, the original uh, here simply says, don't be afraid, I am. I am. There's another instance of this in John chapter 13 and verse 19, where Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. In John chapter 13, this is the, uh, the account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And he tells them in verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
if you know these things. Blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. He's talking about the one who would betray him. Verse 19, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Our English version says, again, this is Jesus simply saying, and the Greek is ego I me, which is simply I am. You might be wondering at this point, well, pastor, what is the significance of this? Jesus simply saying, I am. Well, there's another chapter uh, that uh, we can look at in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8. And in this one chapter, John chapter 8, this statement of Jesus saying to his listeners, I am, takes place actually four times. In the beginning, there's one of the I am statements that we talked about last week. In verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But there are three other places in John chapter 8 where Jesus says again, I am. Now, let me give you the context of what is taking place here. In, uh, in chapter 7, uh, we read uh, about uh, how uh, there's division or disagreement amongst the people about who Jesus is or what he is. In fact, the uh, religious leaders have sent uh, officers to arrest Jesus. This is way back in John chapter 7. And they come to arrest Jesus, and, and uh, when they go back, uh, verse 45 of John chapter 7, the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? Why didn't you arrest Jesus like you were supposed to? But the officers answered and said, no one ever spoke like this man. There's something different about this man. And so there are, there's division, there's disagreement, the, the, the people, some people think one thing about Jesus and about who he is, and, and the religious leaders think something different about Jesus and about who he is, and then Jesus in John chapter 8 and verse 12 says, I am the light of the world, and to this the Pharisees respond, you are bearing witness about yourself, therefore your testimony is not true. What they're referring to is that a, a person in a court of law can't be their own witness, or rather not their own witness alone. Uh, truth had to be established on the evidence of two or three witnesses outside of one individual. So they said to Jesus, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. We look uh, at, uh, then at John chapter 8. Verse 21 and 24, Jesus is still talking to these people that are listening to him and the religious leaders and trying to get them to see and understand who he is. In verse 21, he said to them, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? 
Verse 23, Jesus said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he. Again, our English version is is supplying the he for us. It is actually saying, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. They're still trying to figure this out, who Jesus is, and Jesus is still trying to get them to see it. So he says to them again, uh, verse, verse 27 says, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They did not understand who Jesus was. They did not understand what Jesus was doing, that he was identifying himself with his Father. Not just a connection but saying that they are the same person. Verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that is, you've placed me on the cross and hung me there to die, when you have done this, then you will know that I am. Again, they're still not completely clear on what Jesus is saying and what he is talking about. So, so still talking about this, and Jesus tells them, you know, we think of Jesus as being kind and, and compassionate always, but um, he could preach straight when he needed to. And here in John chapter 8, he tells the Pharisees that you are uh, of your father, the devil. Now, I'm sure that, was, that didn't probably bless their hearts too much. Verse 52, though, they're, they're continuing to talk about this, and, and Jesus is trying to get them to see who he is and understand who he is, and they're not understanding. In verse 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who are you saying you are? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then they got it. You know how we know they got it? Because the next verse says they picked up stones to kill him because they recognized finally what Jesus was saying. He is not just a prophet, but he is identifying himself with the I am of the Old Testament. What they're doing is they're beginning to connect the dots. 
You see, what John is doing in the writing of his gospel is putting tax in place and then connecting the dots, so to speak. And as John is writing about these declarations where Jesus over and over, repeatedly, seven times throughout the gospel of John, says, I am, John is wanting them to go back in their minds and think of other places where they have heard those words, I am. Where have I heard that before? Well, your mind may go back to Exodus chapter 3 where God appears to Moses in the burning bush and commissions Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses argues with God and says to God, suppose they ask me, who has sent you? And God says, you tell them, I am has sent you. There are other places in the Old Testament where we read these words, and, and there are perhaps none more clear or better stated than in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter 41, and on throughout a number of the next, different, uh, next few chapters, uh, that uh, statement appears repeatedly. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 4 uh, says this, the, the prophet is, is proclaiming the words of God and says, "'Who has performed and done this?' calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am He, or simply, I am. Again, we read it in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 3. Let's back up. We'll read verse 2 also. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I am. Again, Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, or simply, that I am. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I am. You might say, Pastor, what's the big deal with I am? Well, this is the, what the Jews considered the unspeakable, sacred name of God. We know it as Yahweh or Jehovah. It is a, it is a statement about God, about who He is. It is, the, it is the personal covenant name of God, and it reveals something to us about God's nature and character. When he says he is the I am, it's not merely a statement of existence. You know, when Jesus said to those that were listening to him, I am, he wasn't simply saying to them that he existed. Anybody can say that. You know, Popeye the sailor man said that. But this is something different. This is a, telling us who God is, that he is the eternal, self-existent, uncreated one. 
It is the thing that makes him God in the first place. That he is uncreated. He exists just for himself. All of us and everything in this universe, we have our existence outside of ourselves. Meaning we exist because something brought us into existence. But God alone exists because of himself. He is the I am. As we think about this, we don't really appreciate, I think, the the name of God and the, uh, the sacredness of the name of God, the way the Jews did in the Old Testament. They considered the name so sacred, so special, so holy that they would not speak it. They would use a, a substitute name to refer to God, often like Adonai or something like that. Uh, when the scribes were copying the words of the Old Testament for us to preserve it, it's very interesting. Whenever they came to a point where they had to write the name of God, Yahweh, for one, they wouldn't write it out uh, completely. They used what is called the, te- the, the tetragrammaton, something like that. And it was simply three letters in the Hebrew alphabet that referred to this name. And every time they did, they would lay down their, their quill, what they had been using, and get a fresh, clean quill to write just that one word. But before they did that, they would take a bath their entire body, and then write that single one word. Can you imagine being a scribe and doing the work of a scribe, writing, preserving the words of the prophets, the words of the, of the Torah, and every time you come to the name of Yahweh, Jehovah, you stop what you're doing, you take a bath from head to toe, then you get a fresh, clean quill, You write that one word, and then you go back to the rest of your scribal responsibilities, continuing to write. There was a lot more. uh, It was a lot more rigorous than just that. That wasn't the only thing, Uh, but that's just one example of of how they held the name of God in such high esteem and revered that name. And you might be thinking, but Pastor, that was. That was Hebrew. Some, some of you are aware of this. Maybe not all. That's okay. If you're not familiar with, with the background of the Bible, uh, let me fill you in just a little. The, the Old Testament was given to us primarily in the Hebrew language. Uh, the New Testament was given to us uh, partially in Aramaic, a little bit, but mostly in Greek. And you might say, well, pastor, if that's the case, then, then what's the significance of, uh, 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 of the I am, the ego, I me in Greek and connecting that back with the Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament? Wouldn't it have been different words, a different language? That's true, it would have been, but by the time of the writing of the Gospel of John, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And every place in the Septuagint where you read these words and God is proclaiming, I 
am, anahu, is the, in the Hebrew. The Septuagint translates that as ego I me. And so John in his gospel is very clearly connecting and tracing this back, these claims of Jesus to be one with the I am, the Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament. He's saying all that you read about and all that you believed him to be, that's me. I am the one. I am. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. And John clearly throughout his gospel is trying to get people to see, as we read in our text, these things I have written to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you may have life in his name. Today is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is another time when we see clearly in Scripture and in the Gospel of John that Jesus is making a messianic claim that he is the Christ. Again, John records it in an abbreviated fashion. He doesn't give us as much detail about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Christ, as the other Gospels do. But he does record it in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 16. And in these few verses, he tells us something interesting. John chapter 12, verse 12, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is what I think is interesting, verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. They connected the dots and remembered. There's one more place in the Gospel of John that we have not yet looked at, which is the seventh I Am declaration of Jesus. We find it in John chapter 18. It is on the occasion of the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas Iscariot has made these arrangements with the high priests, and they have sent a, a, uh, uh, possibly as many as 200 soldiers with torches and lanterns to come to the garden and arrest Jesus. Judas has given to them the, the code, the signal that he's going to use when they approach and they come to where Jesus is. He's going to go and kiss Jesus on the cheek. And that's how they will know. And as Jesus begins to interact with those who have come to arrest him, Jesus, verse 4 of John 18, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. I know your English version says, I am he, but again, that is a, a supplied word. It's not in the original. Jesus said to them, I am. 
Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. I don't know what you think about this happening, these people. Jesus saying, I am, and those who have come to arrest him, they draw back and fall to the ground. This happens three times. Verse 7, he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. Am. So if you seek me, let these men go. Repeatedly, as Jesus reveals himself as the I am, they draw back, they fall to the ground. And as I think about this, the implications and the applications of what happened there, those men, those soldiers did not arrest Jesus. Jesus gave himself over willingly, freely into their hands. I, had, I heard one preacher describe it like this. Jesus crawled into their laps and gave himself over. They did not arrest him. You see, God was on the scene and in charge in that moment when they came to arrest Jesus. He was not being arrested. He was laying himself down. And you see, the people of Jesus' day had the choice to see him for who he really is and accept him for who he really is on that basis with no conditions or to pass him off as a, as a poser, a faker, a, a, someone who's just pretending to be representing God. You know, that's what the Jews did essentially on Palm Sunday. Uh, we think of it, it is a wonderful day to worship, and we do worship God on Palm Sunday. But if you go back to the original Palm Sunday, what was happening there, the, the very same people who were acclaiming Jesus and worshiping Him and saying, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, would just a few days later be in the same crowd that were saying, crucify Him, crucify Him. What changed? They realized that Jesus was not going to come on their own terms and on their own conditions. He was coming on his terms and on his conditions. And friends, when we come to the I am, when we come to Jesus, we are not able to come with conditions in place and say, well, Lord, I will come to you, I will accept you as my Lord on this basis, or if you'll do this for me, or if you'll let me keep this or hold on to that. None of that. When we come to God, when we come to Jesus, we accept him on his own terms, on his own conditions, and he becomes our Lord, our master, or else we don't come to him at all. But whether or not we do, Jesus is still the I am, whether we acknowledge him as such or not. And friends, on this Palm Sunday, could I encourage you to lay aside your conditions? Do not be like those Jews on that Palm Sunday who were willing to recognize a political Messiah, were willing to recognize a, a Savior who would come to serve their interests, but rather 
recognize Jesus for who he is, the I am. He is God come in the flesh and receive him without condition. Amen. Let's